0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, pray with them, and then hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. You can email me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. That's josh at ascensionpress.com. Please rate us and review us on iTunes if you're a first-time listener. What this does is it helps other people find out about the show. If the show is a gift for you, then potentially it will be a gift for them as well. So today's show, today's show we have some great, great topics. We're going to talk about distractions in prayer. We're also going to talk about uh, racism, and we're going to um, talk about what to do whenever we're in difficult marriages. Before we get jumping into those topics, I want to share with you all a glory story. A glory story this week comes from my time that was spent um, in, in prayer in Assisi in Rome this, this past week. I was able to go on a really, really beautiful pilgrimage to Assisi and spend a lot of time in prayer where St. Francis and St. Clair would have spent time praying and, and some of the first disciples of Francis. And it was, it was just so powerful just to get away and detach from everything here and go there and have time with the Lord in the Eucharist and in nature and in the Word. And it was, uh, it was beautiful. It was so easy to enter into prayer while I was there. But one of the graces that I experienced was when I came back home, uh, I was able to walk with a lot of people very quickly. A lot of people were ready to meet up with me and they share with me all the things that God did for them and in them while I was gone. Like while I was just away, spending time with Jesus, hanging out with him in the Eucharist, growing in my relationship with the Lord, prioritizing him, he was doing all the work in my parish without me even being here. And it was just, man, I recognize, like, I know I'm a necessary member of the body of Christ, but I don't have to be here for him to, like, work in these people's hearts and in their lives. I can, I can be with Jesus in a chapel praying somewhere else, and he's going to do all the work over here. And so that was just super, super awesome for me to experience. It reminded me of a time whenever um, I didn't go on the March for Life recently this past year. It was my first time not going to the March for Life pilgrimage in Washington, D.C. Normally, my diocese takes around 500 kids and like 20 nuns and 20 priests and seminarians and some married couples. And we go for a week-long pilgrimage where we have like adoration and praise and worship every night. And we give a talk and have like a conference leading up to the actual March for Life. And uh, this past year, myself, and one of my really good friends who also is another priest who has a charism of evangelization, we weren't able to go. And so some of the people were like tripping, like, man, if y'all don't go, how's it going to be for the kids and whatnot? But we both, because of our pastoral duties, weren't able to go this year. And it was super cool. So we just stayed back and we decided to be intercessors this year and, and pray for everybody. And when everyone came back from this year's March for Life, I heard consistently that it was like the best year. It was the best pilgrimage ever for each participant. And I thought that was awesome that the Lord was like, look, Josh, like, yo, I got this. This is my church. This is my bride. This and my people. You just be faithful to me and I'm going to take care of them. And so once again, he did that for me recently when I went on pilgrimage to Assisi and I was able to just to get away with my best friend with Jesus and spend time with him. And he literally did some awesome miracles while I was away and some transformative, some transformative work in my people's hearts and lives. And so. Yeah, I, I don't know if you right now are, are stressing about some situation that you feel like you have to be on top of and you have to know everything about it, but I just want to encourage you to just step back. Step back and, and step forward into, into a deeper intimacy with Jesus in prayer. And trust. Trust that, that he will provide whatever is necessary for you and for whoever it is that you are serving right now in your walk toward becoming a saint. All right, let's get into some feedback. Uh, so I have some listener feedback, and this one's coming from, and my bad, I forgot to put your name down, so I'm going to say Anonymous. Uh, anonymous wrote this. I just wanted to say thank you. I just want to say that I'm thankful for having you in my life. I want to say thank you. boop, 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 boop. Yo, so she says, or he says, I just want to say thank you for your podcast. I'm learning and growing so much in faith and am now able to help others understand church teachings better. Huh, praise Jesus Christ. Uh, Your last episode on cannibalism, cremation, and sinful priest was so informative and so well delivered. My soul is jumping. Hmm, really, what does that look like for your soul to jump? I want to see that. My mind is blown. Huh. Like, so when you say your mind is blown, did it blow and you had to tape it back together? So much good information. Thank you. I'm so happy and lucky to have found your podcast and I advise everyone I meet to listen to it and to subscribe. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you for your gift and God bless. I am so grateful for this message and I am uh, most grateful that it is bearing good fruit in your life and that you are not only receiving the gift, but you are sharing it in such a way that you're helping other people understand the gift of the church that christ gave us two thousand years ago what a gift so that's our feedback uh, for today's show and now let's get jumping into today's topics our first question comes in from t t that reminds me of uh remember that show moesha mo to the a e to the shut to the moesha oh i forgot to give a shout out to my boy father brad doyle he has a podcast called The Critical Papist. And uh, I'm going to be on it one day. And it's like a, um, it's a, uh, what's that thing called? Trivia. It's a trivia show. And so it's really funny and fun to listen to. So, so hit him up. But um, yeah, so T from Moesha. Uh, yeah, that was Brandy back in the 90s, that show. Do you remember what I'm talking about? She had the braids. Anyways, great show. Classic. Uh, so T writes this. Thank you for your awesome podcast. Not only is it educational but it is also uplifting. Keep up the good work. My question is about persisting in the habits of daily prayer when I'm easily distracted and easily bored. I know that daily prayer is essential to growing in holiness. Yep, it's essential. You're right, and necessary. But sometimes it seems like drudgery. You ain't lying. What do you do to keep on keeping on in your prayer life? T, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal question. Uh, So first thing, I just want to acknowledge that the catechism teaches us that prayer is a battle battle. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be something easy because it's a relationship. And every relationship is a battle. Every relationship is going to have times that are really fun and, and then times that are really, really hard and really dry and exciting and joyful and sorrowful and somber. So it's a relationship. And so I just want to encourage you, first of all, to keep on keeping on, like you said, uh, in the midst of the battle. The reality is this, though. It's going to be dry. And so um, what do you do whenever your mind starts going to other places? My spiritual director, he gave me some advice years ago. He said, Josh, the first five minutes of prayer, let the horses run wild. Let your imagination go crazy if if you have to. And then after five minutes of your imagination going all over the place, you reel it in and you can start saying the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, as you breathe in, have mercy on me, a sinner. Breathe out. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wait, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm oh, Look, like, I'm already messing up myself. <laughs> I'm doing a deep breath. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Breathe in. Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, go out. Yeah, so that, that prayer is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Breathe in. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Breathe out. Y'all probably like, what are you talking about? Breathe in. Breathe out. It's like a workout video going on over here. Uh, but yeah, so you could do that just to help focus on Jesus. But then recognize that once you're entering into prayer, that uh, sometimes Jesus Christ wants you to just show up. We don't have to know what's going on. We don't have to know what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. The mere fact that we show up to be with Jesus, he's going to do something. Like the centurion soldier who's at the foot of the cross, he was just there and he was was transformed. Jesus Christ wants us to be in a relationship with him. He doesn't want us to just use him for good experiences in prayer, great insights, or quality time spent with him. He just wants time, period. Uh, Whether it's distracted time, sleepy time, Uh, whether we're tired or awake or energized or whatever. He just literally wants for us to be with him because he wants to know that we love him for him and not for what he does for us. Uh, Years ago, I was doing hospital ministry in Houston, Texas. That's right, Houston, Texas. Shout out uh, to the H-Town. And I was seeing so much death and pain and suffering every day that I was really just drawn to the cross when I would go to prayer. And I was drawn to Jesus Christ, specifically crucified, And I would look at him, and he would look at me, and we would look at each other. And all I could perceive the Lord asking me was, Josh, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? Or do I have to give you gifts for you to want to be in a relationship with me? Do I have to give you consolation in prayer? Do you have to get good feelings or great insights when you pray? Or can you just come and be with me on the cross, my dead body on the cross? And there were days where I would be honest with the Lord and say, yeah, Lord, you are definitely enough for me. You are sufficient But there are other days where I was really weak and and I said, no, Lord, I really, I love you, but I I want the gifts too. And uh, he kept calling me to go deeper because he wanted to be sufficient. He kept calling me to be at the place where ultimately I could say, no, Jesus, I don't need the gifts. I don't want to worship the gifts of God. I want to worship the God who gives and who takes away gifts. I want to worship you, Lord. And so I really want to encourage you to focus on your relationship with the Lord as that what it is, a relationship, uh, and just be with him whether or not you are distracted when you're with him, you're feeling things or you're not feeling things. Now, what can you practically do to not be so distracted well, if you get my book, Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation, which is available at ascensionpress.com and amazon.com and some other um, outlets as well, uh, then you will notice in the very last chapter of my book, I have a whole section devoted to prayer because I think that prayer is, is essential, it's necessary for us. And I give tools on how to prioritize prayer, even when we're in the midst of the battle. The tools I give are called the five W's, uh, when, where, what, who, and why. Write down in your calendar every single Sunday. When am I going to pray? Put it on your calendar, right? 6 a.m. to 6.15, 6 a.m. to 6.30, 5.30 to 6 o'clock. Give the Lord 15 to 30 minutes, right? When? Where am I going to pray? Am I going to pray in a adoration chapel? Am I going to pray on my porch, in my backyard, at the park, in my bedroom, in the living room? Where am I going to pray? And put that down on my calendar. I'm going to pray from 6 a.m. to 6.30 in my living room. What am I going to do during prayer? Well, I'm going to sip on some coffee. So I'm putting it down with coffee. I'm going to have a candle lit so I can smell the nice smell. And I'm going to open up the scripture to the gospel for the day. And I'm going to do Lectio Divina. So I'm going to write down, I'm going to do Lectio with the daily readings. Or I'm going to do a rosary. Or I'm going to do praise and worship music. Or I'm going to go to adoration. Or I'm going to chant the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Or I'm gonna do what, whatever I'm gonna do during that time is what I'm gonna write down. And then who um, who's gonna hold me accountable to this time of prayer? If we don't have someone holding us accountable, we're most likely going to have a great intention of spending time with God in the morning, or afternoon, or evening, or whenever, and we're just not going to do it. We might do it for a couple of days, but then, as most things go, like New Year's resolutions and Lent, Lenten, uh, <laughs> Lenten penances that we always get all excited about. I don't know if about you, but every time Lent comes around, it's my favorite season. I get so excited about like fasting and praying more and everything and giving alms. And then, like two days into it, I've already messed up. <laughs> I'm so broken, y'all. I'm so weak. It's not even funny. I am so. I'm, I'm the king of coming up with the best Lenten resolutions and Lenten practices, and then not fulfilling them, and then recognizing how weak I am and how much I need Jesus. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. One time, I had the penance. Uh, me and some some friends were doing the, the penance for Lent of taking cold showers for the girls in our past, uh, that we may have hurt. And, uh, and, uh, and I lasted like two days or something like that. Maybe it's like the next day or two days I lasted. It was terrible. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to letting penances. Anyways, see, see, just like you get distracted in prayer. I get distracted when I talk to myself. So uh, yeah, you get somebody to hold you accountable. No person is an island. If we isolate ourselves from other people knowing about what we're trying to do, then we're not going to do it. So we got to reach out and let other people know. And they can text us. They can call us. They can email us. They can uh, meet us a couple of times a week just to ask us, give them permission to ask, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing your relationship with God in your prayer time? And then finally, why am I doing this? Uh, everyone's going to have a different why am I prioritizing intimacy with Jesus in prayer? All of us have a different reason. I think ultimately, the the thing that's common is that because we want to be saints, because we want to be with him in heaven. Um, But yeah, there are other reasons why we also pray uh, outside of that, that authentic call to be holy, to be a saint, and come up with that for yourself and write it down. The reason why I want to spend this time every day with Jesus is because, and give yourself a reason for why you do what you do. So, T- Hopefully that helps you out. Again, if you want to go deeper with that, you can check out my book, Broken and Blessed, Invitation to My Generation, available at ascensionpress.com. All right. If y'all have any other additional advice for tea, uh, hit me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. Next question comes from Sally Sue. I like that name, Sally Sue. That is such a... uh, huh. That's such an old school name, Sally Sue. Sally Sue. Uh, Sally Sue writes this: Love, love, love your podcast. Thank you for the time and dedication you put into your work. Your call, thank you. You are enriching the lives of many Catholics and bringing, bringing many back to the church. Praise God. Well, if God has used me to bring people back to the church He founded, then I am super grateful because I am an unworthy instrument, but. All glory be to God. See what he could do if God can use me, he can use anybody. So, whoever listens to this podcast that recognizes your limitations and your brokenness and your imperfections, check it out. God is using me. If he can use me, he can use anybody. God used a donkey in the scriptures. God spoke through a donkey. If God can speak through a donkey, he can work through all of us. All right, so Sally Sue says, I am super excited about your book, too. I can't wait to order a copy. Yeah, if you want to order it, essentialpress.com, Amazon, or your local bookstores. Okay, here we go. So, several podcasts ago, you spoke briefly about racism. Yes, I did. One of my favorite topics to address. We are in the midst of one of the biggest scandals in the lifetime of the church with the sexual abuse and cover-up by the hierarchy. You're right about that. Is there any part of you that knows that the hidden sin of racism I don't know how hidden it is in our church. Um, In the church is the next veil to be lifted. How do you think the church should practically respond to this? What are some practical ways we can begin to unravel the center of racism at the parish level? Gosh, I hope I make the cut. I hope more people write in about this topic. We need to keep this convo alive. Smiley face. Thanks and God bless you. Well, God bless you, Sally Sue. And I'm so grateful that you hit me with this question. There is nothing more outside of Jesus that I like to talk about than racism, institutional racism, and the ways that it breaks down the body of Christ. So I prayed with your question, and after prayer, I had an image that came to me, Salisu, and the image was of some years ago when I did mission work, and I did mission work in, um, in, on the border. I was in, in Mexico, in Juarez, Mexico. I was in Sierra Tremada, in Chihuahua, Mexico. I was in El Paso, and Whenever I was there on that particular mission, I've done missions in Calcutta, in Jamaica, in Kingston, in Guatemala, in Nicaragua, all over. But when I was at that specific mission, um, it was the first time I really saw with my own eyes and heard with my own ears the reality of what was really going on on the border. When I saw people whose families were being murdered. And when I saw the conditions, it was the first time I like, actually got out of my comfort zone and entered into someone else's life. And I entered into their lives. I was able to be changed in my heart because I spent time listening to other people's story. Reality is this. Um, if we don't listen to each other's stories, then we're not going to know what's really going on with the sin of racism, um, even in our own church today if we don't simply listen. And I don't think many of us listen well. I think many of us, just like I had no idea what was going on on the border because all saw was the news. But once I lived there, I had a totally different experience. And so if we can live in relationship with other people, we can be transformed by them. If we stay in our comfort zones and our little cliques in our own communities, we're never gonna be able to transform the world and be transformed by Christ through other members of the body of Christ because we're staying in our own circles. And so in Acts chapter two, the apostles, they went out of their comfort zone and they encountered people who were different when they experienced the grace of the Holy Spirit. When they experienced that grace, they immediately went out of themselves and met people who were different from them. And they listened to them and spoke to them in a language that they could understand. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to go out of ourselves, out of our comfort zones, out of our little cliques, out of our communities and meet people who are different from us. And actually listen to their stories. Because if we don't listen to their stories, then we're never going to be impacted in our heart. And if our hearts are never impacted, then we're never going to want to inform our minds on how we can collaborate with them to eradicate and to transform broken systems that continue to perpetuate division in our church. So I really want to encourage listening, right? Practically, on a parish level, we can listen better by um, fasting, really fasting, I always talk about fasting, and St. John Chrysostom he has this excellent, excellent teaching on, on fasting, um, because fasting, not only does it remind us of the effects of conversion that happen when we do it, um, and need to have God in our life, but what fasting does is it frees us from speaking, so that we can actually listen, and in listening, we can hear someone's story, be impacted by the story, and then work with them to to transform whatever it is that the enemy is using to break down the body of Christ and people who are made in the image of God. This is what St. John Christum writes. The value of fasting consists not only on avoiding certain foods, but of renouncing to all attitudes, thoughts, and sinful desires. Whoever limits fasting to food, simply to food is minimizing the great value that fasting has. If you're fasting, then prove it in your actions. If you see a brother in need, have compassion. If you see a brother receiving recognition, do not envy him. For fasting to be true, it cannot be so only in our mouths. It must be a fasting of our eyes, of our ears, of our feet, of our hands, of all of our bodies, interior and exterior. Fast with your hands by keeping them pure in the disinterested service of others. Fast in your feet by not being slow in love and service. Fast with your eyes by not seeing impure things or by not looking at others to criticize them. Fast of all that puts your soul or your holiness in danger. It will be useless to deny my body food while I'm feeding my heart with waste, with impurity, with selfishness, with competitions, with comfort. You fast of food, but you allow yourself to hear vain and worldly things. You ought to also fast with your ears. You ought to fast from hearing things that are said about your brothers, lies that are said about others, especially gossip, rumors, cold words that are hurtful and against others. You also ought to fast with your mouth. You ought to fast from saying anything bad about others. For of what value is it for you to not eat if you devour your brothers? fast from your mouth, fast from saying what I really want to say. This is difficult because we have our own environments and we have our own cultures that we were brought up in and our own families and our own backgrounds. And sometimes we hear someone else's story and we say, that doesn't resonate with me. I don't have that same experience. What are they talking about? Are they telling the truth? Can I really believe them? Fast from those thoughts, fast from saying what you want to say. And instead, listen more, tell me more. I want to learn from you your experience. I want to learn from you what you actually went through. Listen to other people. Right, Bishop um, Edward Braxton of Belleville, Illinois, uh, I want to invite us to listen to him real quick. He wrote about his own experience of, of growing up and, and not only experiencing racial prejudice and discrimination um, and systems of racism as a young child, but also as a cleric. As a cleric, this is what he wrote in his 2015 pastoral letter, The Racial Divide in the United States, which I would encourage you all to get it. It's online, Google for free. Pastoral letters called The Racial Divide in the United States by Bishop Braxton. It is absolutely amazing. He writes this I've had two personal experiences with law enforcement officers that made me very conscious of the fact that simply by being me, I could be the cause of suspicion and concern without doing anything wrong. The first experience was when I was a young priest, the second was when I was already a bishop. In both cases, I was not in clerical attire. I was dressed informally. In the first experience, I was simply walking down a street in an apparently all-white neighborhood. A police car drove up beside me, and the officer asked, What are you doing in this area? Do you live around here? Where's your car? You should not be wandering around neighborhoods where you do not live. I never told him I was a Catholic priest, but I wondered what it was I was doing to attract the attention of the officer. This was long before I heard the expression walking while black. In the second experience, I was driving in my car in an apparently all-white neighborhood with two small chairs in the back seat and a table in the partially open trunk tied with the rope. A police car with flashing lights pulled me over. The officer asked, where are you, going with the table and those chairs? Before I could answer, he asked, where'd you get them? Then he said, we had a call about a suspicious person driving through the area with possibly stolen furniture in his trunk. I wondered... What I was doing to make someone suspicious, many years would pass before I would hear the expression racial profiling. This is in his pastoral letter. He has a great pastoral letter. You need to read it. It's so good. And listen to him. Listen to his experience because it might be different from, from yours. And you can share that on, on your parish level. So if you're talking about can to do as, as a parish, well, you can invite your parishioners to together have a listening group and a small group study on that particular pastoral letter. The Racial Divide in the United States by Bishop Edward Braxton. And so when we listen to people, we can be changed. When I was at my last parish, I remember a number of people told me whenever I, um, when I share with them, like, I'm a priest. And to this day, if I go to the gym and work out and then go to the store to get like a Gatorade after, to this day, I still get followed while I'm shopping. Like literally, as a priest, I get followed while I'm shopping if I'm not in my clerics because I'm going to the gym to work out. What am I supposed to work out in my clerics? So that i won 't get followed like this i can 't forget that you know like that 's something that i don 't forget whenever um, I, I go places like that for no other reason than because of the color of my skin some people don't trust me like to this day i can 't forget that I was called a nigger in the seminary by a seminarian that 's something that I, I can 't forget right this person could potentially be a priest one day he's not by the grace of God, but like what if he would went on to be a priest and like how would he hurt the body of Christ and help the body of Christ, right? I would I would believe that he would probably hurt the body of Christ if he continued to act the way he acted in seminary. Right? I can't forget that my Godson was written up on multiple occasions because of the texture of his hair. By a hand, because it didn't fit the, the hair that was the hair grooming policy and the school's handbook rules, right because his hair was different, because he's biracial. And he tried his best to get it cut to fit their standards, and it just wasn't happening. And he was getting written up because this rule discriminated against him. right This is a, a rule, a policy that's so messed up. right These are some things that I can't forget. I can't forget that there's still a swimming pool uh, in Louisiana that is segregated. That black people cannot be members of to this day, 2018. Ridiculous. These are things that that I I can't forget. And so whenever we begin to hear these stories, we can say, well, what can we do together? And there are things we can do. In in the previous podcast that I mentioned, when the Archbishop of New Orleans, Archbishop Hughes listened to African Americans and other black people, what he heard was that the country club in his area uh, was not allowing them to be members and, and he wrote against it and spoke against it, and they changed their practice, and they began to allow blacks to be members, right? And so because the church came together, they addressed this evil. So we can continue to do that, but only when we first sit back and listen. Very difficult to do, but it can be done when we practice fasting, not just in Lent, but all the time. So I really want to encourage you to fast. That that'll be my my answer for you on this particular show but hit me up with some more questions about the topic because I love to talk about it it's one of my passions because I really believe that God um has created me for this time for this generation to help bring the body of Christ together um and to get rid of all this unnecessary division uh namely because of racism so yeah fasting is the one I think I want to encourage you to do as a person and as a parish and specifically look at Bishop Braxton's letter the racial divide in the United States of America. All right, what do y'all think? Do you have any additional advice for Sally Sue? Write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna dive into our final question.
1: Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do, but let's be honest, It can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on AscensionPress.com or on Amazon.
0: And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at Josh at Also, please rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show. Our final question comes in today from a tired sister in Christ. Recently, I listened to your podcast for the first time. You ended with the verse, love endures all things from the sacred scriptures. I have a question about this. As a married person, do I have to endure all things? My husband and I have been married for 27 and a half years. We've experienced a very traumatic event 18 and a half years ago in which two of our kids almost died. And I was hospitalized as well. We all survived physically. But within the year, my husband started drinking heavily. When he is sober, he's my best friend, confident in the love of my life. When he drinks, he becomes a different person. He's mean, can be verbally abusive, and tries to pick fights. Over the years, I've tried my best to support him. We've attended marriage encounter, counseling, and talked to priests. His drinking has impacted our life financially, emotionally, physically. I'm worried about the impact on his body and spiritually. Recently, our kids have moved out and are in college. I decided that although I've tried to support him in every way I can think of, I no longer have to endure certain things like sleeping in the same bedroom. For years, I've put up with him talking in his sleep and saying extremely mean words, excessive snoring due to his alcoholism, and our bedroom smelling like an old, stale bar. So I now sleep in a different room. It has been somewhat life-changing. Getting adequate sleep has positively impacted my health, work, and overall well-being. My husband does not care for this and is upset. He won't change, but he wants me to continue to deal with the negative impact his drinking has on me. Does love really endure all things? I'm so weary of watching his self-destruction and so tired of waiting for him to turn this around. I'm moving forward while he remains stagnant, tired sister in Christ. God bless you. So I prayed for you a lot this past week. And so, you know, first of all, what is love? Love is desiring the greatest good for the other. And so his greatest good is ultimately to be a saint. And right now he is committing a serious sin um, by by getting drunk, right? Drunkenness is a sin. And so because you love him, you are putting up... um, Boundaries in your relationship so that he can feel the effects of his sin, so he can be aware that he is offending not only you and himself, but he's offending Christ by his actions. So I think it's a good thing that you are sleeping in separate beds. I don't think that's a problem. You're a married couple. I know married couples that sleep in separate beds, some sleep in the same bed. I know one married couple, they have property and they have like two different cabins and they have a bridge, not a bridge, they have like a little, um, a walkway over a pond, and, and that's what they, they, they visit during the day, and they sleep in the two separate cabins at night. So you do what you got to do for your sacrament. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that if it's helping you to be more healthy by sleeping in a different bed in this season, then that can be a good thing for him as well. Also, though, I, it sounds like he's an alcoholic. Like I know you wrote that, but like he's a, like a real serious alcoholic, and he needs to go get treatment. He has to get treatment. All right. So you've seen a priest, you pray with the priest, you've seen a counselor that's really cool, a marriage counselor. Now it's time for him to go to rehab. Right, I've walked with so many addicts and unless they go to get treatment and go to AA meetings when they get back from treatment, like you know, I just it's you gotta do it. You really need to encourage him and you might have already encouraged him that. So let him hear my podcast and let him listen to me. Bruh, I don't know you, but I'm praying for you to, to go to rehab. Go to rehab not only for your family, but for yourself, man. You are made in the image of God. You're a beloved son of the Father. You have a gift to share with the world that this addiction that is, is, is eating you up right now is limiting your capacity to share yourself with other people and help other people get to Jesus. Brother, please, please, please get help, get accountability, and get a small group to walk with you. And then my sister, my tire sister in Christ, I really want to encourage you to also get a small group, whether it's Alanine and and also like a small group Bible study to have sisters to walk with. Um, that's, that's totally a good thing that you can do for yourself right now so that you have a community that is feeding into you as you try to feed into your husband, as you try to support him and his walk toward eternity. Your main goal as a wife is to pray for him and to offer up sacrifices for his sanctification. But if he gets violent, like I, I, I couldn't, I don't want to read between the lines, but you did say he picks fights and he's verbally abusive. Um, Look, you don't have to put up with that. I'm sorry. You don't have to put up with that. that that's not okay. It's not okay. And so I'm not, I'm not advocating, for those of you who think I'm advocating divorce and remarriage, that's not where I'm going through. But I am advocating that you need to be reverenced as a member of the body of Christ, as a woman who's made in the image of God. And, and it's not okay for someone to offend you in such a way. And so if even more boundaries need to be put up, then I would suggest putting those boundaries up temporarily as well. Um, for the hope of a change to happen in his life, for hope of transformation. Um, we don't want to enable him in any way um, by by just giving in to him. Uh, you don't have to do that, right? Sometimes husbands, will use the line, wives, be obedient to your husbands, be submissive to your husbands. You, the words, that 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 text comes, submissive means under, submission. the mission. Wives, put yourself under the mission of your husband. And the mission is, St. Paul writes, husbands, love your wives as Christ of the church. So in for, insofar as your husband's loving you as Christ loves the church, be submissive to that. But insofar as he is not, don't put yourself under that mission. No, no, you, you fight against that, whatever he's doing, and you call him to be a man of Jesus who's willing to sacrifice for you, even the drink for your love and for his salvation. So uh, please, uh, I'm going to pray for, for you um, to, to, to properly discern with your, maybe with your pastor, with your priest or with the counselor what's the, the best thing to do as far as boundaries. And then also encourage you to pray and fast for him, his conversion, and then encourage him and pray for him to um, to go to rehab and to get plugged into AA, and uh, and to trust that Jesus Christ is sufficient; he doesn't need a drink to be happy. Jesus Christ can supply um, where the drink does not does not really um, say, satiate that ache that's in his heart. And so, all my viewers, right now, let's let's offer a hail Mary together for this couple. Hail Mary, full of grace; the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All right. If y'all have any additional advice for our tired sister in Christ, please hit me up um, or encouragement for her. Hit me up at AskFatherJosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. That uh, brings us to the end of today's show. So regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some things I think everyone can take away from today's questions. Universal point about um, broken, difficult marriages is pray and fast for your spouse to get to heaven. And put up whatever healthy boundaries need to be put up um, for your spouse to grow in a deeper intimacy with Jesus, who with Christ, nothing is impossible. Christ can do all things. I've seen miracles in marriage that people thought were over. I've watched miracles happen. I believe a miracle can happen in this marriage. And so I'm praying on that and banking on that right now. In the name of Jesus, heal their marriage. Heal his heart. Detach him in the name of Jesus from anything that is drawing him closer to the alcohol and attach him to the blood of Christ. Okay, also, uh, universal point about racism, fasting. Fast from food and from music and from television and from thoughts fast most importantly from speaking so that we can listen to other people's stories be impacted by the stories and then learn how we can collaborate with them to together transform policies and practices that continue to um, perpetuate division in the body of Christ and in people who are made in the image of God which is everybody and universal point about prayer Uh, Be practical with the rule of life. Use the five W's, when, where, what, who, and why, to help you to be more consistent in your relationship with Jesus. Speaking of prayer, let's go ahead and pray right now. The perfect prayer our Savior Jesus Christ taught us in the sacred scriptures. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.